I'm Tia. And this is the Journey to Transformation. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Nice to have you with us again. Nice to hear from you. Nice to see you. (laughs) Weirdo. (laughs) Couldn't quite get it right. (laughs) Cool. Today's episode is what I found on Blastor. Blastor. It is a place where you can drag your current and former employers. Yeah, basically like a review, like a trip advisor for companies. Yelp. <laughs> right? You can put those four, five, one, two stars in and write your pros and cons. Exactly. I have issues with Glassdoor because I feel like if you are somebody, you know, I've had some very weird job titles. Mm. It's very obvious when it's me because I'll be the only one in the organization with some weird niche title. That is true. It's meant to be anonymous and they do sort of check what you've written and put it out there. But, you know, if you put your, I don't know, program officer of X project, then, you know, people are going to know who you are. Like me, senior portfolio manager when there's really only one. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty obvious. But you can put anonymous employee. I like organizations to know when they got got. Yeah, when they went wrong. Which is why we've decided to help those of you who've written reviews of your current and or former employer by shouting them out. Yeah, let's shout these out. Let's shout them out. Let's shout them out. Okay, do you want to go first? Sure. So what we've done is we've selected a few, right? Ourselves. Yes, picked our favorites. Okay, so first of all, it's got one star. Woof. And it's a current employee and it's titled, Not a Happy Place to Work, Sad. (laughs) And they've got pros, cons and advice to management. And 12 people have found this review helpful. So pros, my team are wonderful and colleagues across the organization, great talented people. Cons, I don't have enough energy to go into the cons because I'm so worn down by working at X. In summary, out of touch leadership, a lot of bureaucracy, incompetence, inequity, chaos and upset. (laughs) Staff are disillusioned and disengaged, under-resourced. There's a lot of lip service and virtue signaling. Overall, working at X has been a very poor experience. Advice to management. Stop doing surveys and asking for suggestions on how to improve when you don't act on the feedback. You are paid a huge amount to recognize the problems and make changes. Don't ask people working for you on lower salaries to sort the problems in your organization. It's your job. Hire people. Don't benchmark salaries. Lead the way in paying fair salaries. Silla. That's it. (laughs) Here's why I'm not guessing these. Because that could literally be anywhere. <laughs> right. And I think like something I've noticed in doing this and like going through Glassdoor and looking is like everyone's got the same problems. Yes. Yeah. Everybody is saying the same thing. Yeah. Whether that's four or five years ago or yesterday. Yeah. It's the same shit again and again. <laughs> I mean, I can't decide if that's like shocking or just how it is like I'm I'm not entirely sure yet where I'm situated in my thoughts on that but yeah there's really very little delineation in the ones I saw for those of you listening if you are in a shitty job have had a shitty job I think take comfort in the fact that you're not alone absolutely lots of people working in shitty places if you are one of these shitty places cut it out so so my question then is you know we've just read this one out it's pretty awful Hmm. someone is really upset 
12 people have found this helpful. Hopefully they didn't take the job. But how much does this matter to the organisation? Are organisations, do they care about what people write about them on Glassdoor? And if so, I mean, is there space for kind of an engagement on it? How do we know that it matters? Yeah, I actually have seen organisations respond on Glassdoor. Oh, no way. I'm thinking that's... I think that's where I've seen it because I remember being like, oh, that's weird. Do I want, let me just double check and make sure that that's right. But it, but it's a really interesting one if if that's the because case. Because it's kind of like Yelp. Yeah, true. And, and TripAdvisor when people are trying to like mitigate bad reviews about their hotel. Yes, we encourage responding to all reviews on your profile. By responding, it shows you are actively working to improve your brand and value your employee's perspective, even if he or she may no longer be working with the company. Mm. So yeah, I've seen a few organizations respond to people's reviews. And I can't tell if I like that or hate that because I kind of feel like I hate that. Oh, but I think I'd have respect for them, no? That they've actually gone, looked at this and replied. No. So the one I'm thinking of, it okay. was the same response to uh, all the... God, that is very trip advice. <laughs> but it's also like when they feel the need to respond... I don't think I would like to see a response because I think what I'd feel is in the same way when I've left like a negative TripAdvisor review and they're just like, we, you know, value whatever, whatever. When you see people, you see businesses or organizations, whatever, Mm -hmm. respond to feedback. And either it's the same thing, which means nothing to me, or they respond and it's like pulled me back into the trauma of it all. And I'm That's like, a mm, really good point. Now I have to see it and think about it again. And I would rather just like drop this into the universe and yeah. walk away. I don't like it. But then, but so maybe the point is it has to be like a meaningful, tailored response. Because then maybe you will feel that some people might feel that then their review has meant something. Sure. And and yes, you obviously want other people who might join that organization to see it. Yeah. But also if the organization has seen it, I personally might feel a small sense of satisfaction in that they've seen what I've put out. But I think what you want is the same thing that I would want when businesses do it. Of like, yeah, DM us for a free meal voucher. <laughs> What's the non-profit version of that? I don't know, like two weeks salary or something. I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's top of mind at the moment because everybody start writing reviews. It's two weeks free, free salary. I think there should be something like that of like, if you know. A mug with your name on it. Yeah, like there should be a kind of thing because I do think it it means something. So like I went to a pub that I always go to and one night the service was just like appalling. I have no idea what was going on. And I decided to leave them some feedback as a regular customer. I wanted them to know that like whatever was going on, the fucking full moon, whatever. I don't know what was happening. And I said, you know, I normally come here. I don't know what's happening with you guys today, but something was weird. Here's what was weird fix those weird things and I got an email back and a 50 pound voucher so I'm just saying like I don't know I mean I think the humanitarian sector would be two weeks of therapy no two weeks free connect the organizations connect yourself with like betterhelp.com or whatever and be like cool we've really fucked it up here's a week yeah to do it free therapy yeah thanks I mean, I think people might be writing more Glassdoor reviews. And I think people would be more open with like their hard stuff. So, Wouldn't it be good if there was like an internal version of this? Of Glassdoor? Yeah. 
like every like whistleblower policy. <laughs> Maybe one step before that. Right? Yeah. Okay. There is an internal platform where you can just review what's happened that month or that yeah. year, or and it's public and everyone can see it. And it, when it's anonymous, yeah. And you can you can rate the organization monthly. I think that's really good. I I do or think quarterly. that yeah, I do think that might be a little bit what this person is talking about in the surveys, like constant yes. surveys. <laughs> that's true. I think, I think that's true. kind of where you're headed. But, but, but maybe this is one step back, right? Like it's, okay. it's a space that you don't have to do it. Yeah. But it's like an open engagement space that anyone can go into sure. whenever they feel. And and mostly it's when you feel annoyed, okay. right? Yeah. Like mostly not many people leave good reviews. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you, you mostly want to leave a shit review. Yeah. So Okay. Maybe that's, you know, a, a complaint then, station. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, okay, so fair enough. There are like boxes. Some, oh, yeah. Suggestion <laughs> boxes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe I've just like put the suggestion box online. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, whatever. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you let's... haven't, so we're not reinventing um. the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I do agree with you that I think there should be a space for people to just vocalize their views. It's anonymous. So organizations that I've worked for, for in the past, I've put into place some things like Slido. So attaching that to presentations, it's a software that basically gives you smart presentation slides. So you can embed things into them like polls, questions, quizzes, whatever you want. But the nice thing about it is that it's anonymous. And I've used that before when I wanted people to feed back on things that were happening with senior leadership or anytime we were doing a senior management team presentation, we've used Slido so that people can tell us based on what they're hearing on the presentation, whether or not that's resonating. And we've gotten some pretty salty stuff in the middle of a presentation, but I think that's, that's a good thing. It's healthy. Yeah, that is good. You know, people aren't dropping F-bombs or being wild. Like people are having actual queries about the thinking and the logic and the decision-making. And Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to ask those questions in an open space in a room of 200 people. It's hard to do that. So I think having a way to kind of anonymously feedback is a really good thing that organizations should put into place. The next step is then actually doing something about it. And the thing that this person is saying here is like, don't rely on your junior staff to tell you how to fix the problem you created. You can extrapolate that global north, global south (laughs) development problems, right? right? So stop mirroring that shit and but also like creating a space where people should expect negative feedback and know how to respond to it yes. like i think responding to negative feedback is a skill set and knowing what to do from it how to take it forward like that's not something that people might know naturally how to do yeah um, agreed. oh should i say who this is by the way oh yes so this organization is the welcome trust yes um, so they work in public health they do work in public yes. health big public health research organization they've got an office by houston station so they get and um, I will say this is not the only one that says this kind of thing. God. There's 173 reviews there. <laughs> Big percentage that's not great. Oh dear. So, Welcome yeah. trust. Get it together. Welcome trust. Indeed. <laughs> Over right. to you. Okay. Pros. Passionate colleagues who actually want to make a change, which is great. So similar to the one that you read and that people are, the people are good. The teams are good. Huge dependence on donor funds or grants and unwillingness to be critical due to over-reliance on funds. Business as usual, even if projects are not impactful. Senior management team, very white. Privileged and strong hierarchy between staff, but also with local partners. Doesn't truly feel like partners, but more like staff having to manage. Advice to management. Trust that local partners know better than you as it is their lived experience. Do not compromise impact for funds or donations. Okay, wow. 
What is that? Some kind of background noise. Oh, I know what it is. There's a recycling bin. Oh. <laughs> we, as usual, are in the van and like, we're music. recording in the van. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty timely. Um, we're recording in the van and so we can't control the outside noises, but that is somebody <laughs> putting something in the recycling bin, I think. Can I just say that I do think it's interesting how, and you already said this, that it's the people that people are, are positive about, like mm. colleagues, like the people I work with, the passion, you know, and, and I would echo the same sentiment. Yeah. Like the people I work with, not all, but some are the reasons. Why are you looking at me like that? Because uh, we work together and I'm terrible. <laughs> no. Um, but oh, I've lost it now. Sorry. <laughs> the people that you work with. Yeah. And not all, but some. It's the reason why you stay a bit longer than you might ordinarily yeah. or the reason why you decide to stick it out with a certain project or whatever, because you find a group of like-minded people, whether that's two, three, four, or, you know, your team. And that is what makes it work. Would you say that those people are like your peer group? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, definitely. In fact. Yeah. So the second I had to manage people, I was just like, Whoa, like, how do you? And I think there's a really big issue here with how people become managers by virtue of the fact that they've just been in a place for a long time and they haven't actually developed the skills of being mm. a manager or being a leader. And some people conflate those two things. So when I first became a manager of people, I spent a lot of time trying to understand what that meant and going to courses and reading books. And one of the things that somebody told me was people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. Yeah, completely agree. And that's always stuck with me. And anytime I've had somebody leave my team for good reasons, I think, yes, it's because I was a good manager and I helped them move to a next place, to their next step in life because I don't think, you know, everything's are temporary and people should be moving on and moving up. But when I would have people who left and they weren't happy, I took that as my failure and my responsibility. And I don't necessarily think that everybody thinks about it that way. They just think it just happened because it happened. Whereas I take it very personally. Maybe it's because I'm have a hard time decentering myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you left before me then. Eh? <laughs> right. This organization. Ready? Wait, can we just go back to what they said about donors? Yes. What did they say? They said, do not compromise impact for funds or donations. So really heavily reliant on donor funds and grants. And there's a willingness to be critical because of an over-reliance on this. They don't have a diversified funding mechanism, so they can't actually really yeah. that deep, which is something we've talked about before. If you are really heavily reliant on donors and you're not in a position to feel like you can challenge yeah. donors or push back or confront different types of thinking, then you're... Yeah. Donor driven. That's a pejorative in our sector. It's not a good thing. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know, can we interview this person? Because <laughs> I'm just kind of curious, like to what extent, if there was a scale of one to five, where does that feature on the reasons that they wrote this negative review? I'm just curious, like, because, you know, this is falling out of the sector as being one of the biggest constraints in moving forward, the power that the donors hold, the donations, all of this. So if that's a reason to kind of like, you know, step out, to leave, to write a negative review about an organization. I'm just very curious where that sits on this next. Yeah, I appreciate your curiosity. I don't know how you're going to satisfy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so um, <laughs> good job I mean, this is on honest. Anyway, yeah. yes, who is that? Anti-Slavery International. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> 
I don't know why I'm expecting something more, yeah. but I'm also a bit like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, a bit wild. I don't know, but this isn't this the thing. Like, it goes back to what we said in, I think it was the catfishing one or about values. Okay. In that even the name, you have an expectation about an organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you read this stuff and you're like, well, how can that be? These are anti slavery. <laughs> yeah. You want the thing that you think the organization stands for based on the name to be a thing that strings through in all of their approach exactly. whereas you know probably when they founded that organization they were like what's a cool name well what are we against slavery where do we want to do it everywhere anti-slavery international yeah. well I mean at least they put anti like come on we've seen or racial lead or I don't know gender-based violence lead gender-based violence lead is my favorite conflict one conflict advisor I mean praise the best for the anti okay that's good it's clear what you're doing yeah it's clear your direction yeah. anyway yeah. <laughs> Your positionality is clear. Racial lead is my favorite, I think, is one of the top ones for me. Like you, that's what you lead on? Yeah. Okay. This title is Bureaucratic and Out of Touch Leadership. They don't recommend. They don't approve of the CEO. And they don't think there's any business outlook. Pros, great mission, great benefits. <laughs> benefits, key cons. Internal communications is the poorest I have ever seen. The director general shoots people down when they dare ask questions in all staff meetings. <laughs> Directors seem to live in a different planet. A review from April claims that the organization is not bureaucratic, which is ridiculous. Bullying is tolerated and not dealt with. Management turns a blind eye to fraud in member associations. Advice to management, wake up or the organization will go under. Yeah, dark. That's intense. Mm. If even one person feels like there's bullying happening and you're not doing anything about it, like hostile workplace, that's... Yeah, the bullying bit is always worrying and it's written down and... I don't know why my expectations in our sector are that... I think it's because I, we're all like liberal do-gooders and mm. I'm just like, oh, we should never be unkind. But actually, like I've been in environments where I've been like viciously bullied. It's hideous. And again, it's sort of like everything is hidden behind the mission and mm. the, what people think that the nonprofit is working towards. Yeah. So maybe that's how they get away with it for longer. Yeah. You know, like it's hard to see. Although I, I suppose that's what the charity commission is there for, but I don't know. Yeah. How far do you get to go with the charity commission? Like, can I bring them up or what? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got shit to say. I, I don't know, actually. We should probably do an episode about that. <laughs> okay. What the charity commission does and doesn't do. Yeah. Or like bigger accountability. Right. So if you're listening and you work with the charity commission, can you just DM us, JRNY podcast? It was a nod. Because we're real curious. We can do that thing where we like mess with your voice in the audio so people don't know it's you. And then in the videos on YouTube, we'll like blur your face out or put a sack over your head or something. <laughs> well, I'm curious. I want to know. Mine? Who was this? Oh, yeah. Who was it? Um, it was International Planned Parenthood Foundation Federation. Oh. Yeah. They're not doing so much planning parenting. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Gosh. It's oh. <laughs> making me a bit sad. Yeah, now. I know. It's, like, it's just like seriously depressing. It's one review. There are some good ones in there too. Look, we're calling them out. Yeah. One, because it's entertaining. Yeah. For us. Two, because look, these are things people are saying. And people are saying these things as recently as a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. You know, if you're not reading them, we're just, we're amplifying. That's all. We're amplifying. OG. The title of this one is Unstable. Good title. <laughs> I like it. Pros. Great colleagues. Good pay. Support some good grantees. Cons. 
lack of accountability, too much money spent on travel, official lunches, etc. Constantly changing organizational structure. That's it. I mean, I like the official lunch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are we going to be against the official lunch? Yeah, as as two people who often will just talk about work while we're eating lunch, <laughs> so we can expense that lunch. Like, okay, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of okay for a free sandwich now and again. Yeah, I guess it depends on the scale. Yeah, and, and who is having access to those free lunches? Yeah, if it's your like regular members of staff or whatever, then I think it's fine to have official lunches. And actually, I do think when organizations do like perks or benefits that recognize and it's just nice to let people have some lunch on your dime. Yeah, definitely. But if it's just a leadership team that always have official lunches, that's when it becomes a problem, right? That's not cute. What's the third part of that again? Sorry. Constantly changing organizational structure. Yeah. I mean, I'm in two minds about that though. Right. Because I think I can, you know, when you're in it, it's awful. It's horrible. Like Mm. everything's changing. You're not really anchoring yourself to, I don't know, any particular strategy or progress or movement. But on the other hand, is it not worse to be static? Mm. Like it depends what's causing that change. If it's for better, if it's to try and be a better organization, is there not courage in trying to get there versus just staying where you are? I think it depends on how that process is managed. So I often see with organizations in that they aren't managing change well Mm. so they're like we need to change and they'll just like throw a bunch of change at people Mm. even from (laughs) like basic shit like let's change the desks around or something like Mm. that which as somebody who is like a creature of routine change the desk that i've been sitting in for a year i'll go wild that's Mm. hard so i don't think change gets managed very well i don't think people adopt like an official kind of change management process to help bring people along on a journey so if you're constantly going through a change in your organizational structure but it's not being managed well Mm. then all you're doing is throwing people into uncertainty all the time and it doesn't give people an opportunity to settle into something to try something new change your structure around but give people time to settle into that structure figure out how it works and figure out the holes in it and then change it again if you need to but if it's you know we don't know that we don't know what constantly looks like in this context that's true and i suppose in that like changing for changing sake like you've got to have a purpose and an end goal absolutely and we don't know what the thinking was behind this, but at least this person feels like a bit too much change for them. Yeah, no, fair enough. We've both been there. Indeed. Okay, so who was that? Open Society Foundation. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're in some kind of like stuck in a change cycle. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Maybe that's why we never heard back from them. A proposal we submitted. Yeah, it was in between a change process. It just fell <laughs> fell yeah. in between the change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bet you sad that you missed that. Nah. Too much for them. Too much for them. All right, next. Okay, so this is kind of a long one. So, all right, I'm here. Bear for with. It. It's called "Must Be Part of an Exclusive Club to Succeed." One star. Pros. Lovely surroundings at place I worked at. Several colleagues were genuinely nice people. Fed for free, in brackets in theory. Travel expenses paid through tax, national insurance. The CEO is on the whole very nice, but due to the size of the organization, they're covering each other's backs. I don't think they have any real idea of what's going on. And then cons. No actual training tested with unfair and unrealistic situations, expected to mind read, extremely stressful, not enough people to do what needs to be done, staff blamed for things they have no control over, 
yet not allowed to make any actual decisions, impossible to get hold of managers, employee reviews are inaccurate, no recognition for good work on paper, managers approve things or make decisions and then conveniently forget about what they said. Paperwork linked to things inconvenient to them also mysteriously vanishes. Job did not match description. Office job also involved heavy lifting. Paperwork did not truthfully reflect events. Breaks constantly interrupted and infringed upon. Contracted breaks rarely happened. Constantly overbooked. (laughs) Pressure to attend invited (laughs) events of several hours. Expected to do additional work in own time. Extra hours constantly. Similarly, virtually impossible to identify opportunities to take holiday. No break from pressure. Most staff didn't know how to do basic things. Blatant favoritism. Constantly complains they don't have enough officers. Assign all the best jobs to their best friends. Constantly compared to predecessor. Treated very badly. Bureaucracy on steroids. No real organization. Homophobic, frankly. Hypocritical. Purposely intimidating. And it goes on. And the final sentence is, needless to say, I'm no longer a member. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if they were, I'd be like, this is is Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) Their advice to management is, look at the cons list and use it as a checklist. (laughs) 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 There are many things that I do. But I mean, gosh, if you've got to the point where your list is that long, have you stayed too long? And, you know, how long it might take to deal with one of those. <laughs> yeah, feels like a lot. So that was, should I say who that was? Yes. And um, that was the Salvation Army. Thing. Okay. I kind of get it. As somebody who does enjoy a little bit of thrifting every now and again, the Salvation <laughs> Armies are hectic. Yeah. <laughs> nice place to work though. Surroundings are beautiful. In what, what surroundings? I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. If you wrote this, DM us. Tell us a bit more <laughs> of the surroundings. Keen to know. Keen to know. Over to you. Okay. Pros. Good salary. Although questionably high for the sector and less experienced staff, potential to learn. Cons, inexperienced and terribly underprepared leadership team with zero knowledge or experience. I exactly. I knew it in the first sentence. <laughs> of what it means to manage a large international organization. Shall I keep going? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> conflicting views on humanitarian and open source ethos that come dangerously close to reinforcing harm and inequalities. Examples of racism and discrimination visible and HR under resourced and inexperienced to deal with complex power dynamics and safeguarding. A lot of female managers left. I'm pointing to myself. This is a pretty key indicator as to the health of an organization. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so recognize my own right. <laughs> I read that. Um, I hate to out you. Yeah, I mean, now it's not anonymous. <laughs> now it's not anonymous. I felt like I had some space to out you a little bit because one, we can edit this out. Two, <laughs> two part of this is about me. It is indeed. So I just wanted to say thank you for having my back. <laughs> Did anyone find it helpful? Yes. Two people found it helpful. Oh, that's good. Which is good. I hope it saved them from something. <laughs> was one of them you? <laughs> one of them wasn't me. I'm waiting till I'm fully recovered from that experience to then really go into my review. Nice. It's going to be good. I'm going to trial it out on the podcast. Oh, very good. Yeah. I'm going to workshop, workshop some ideas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. How do you feel about that? 
<laughs> which bit? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel okay about that. Okay, good. Like for me, the thing that resonates in a lot of these is about how people are treated. People's immediate teams seem really good. But once you move beyond that, it's almost like this wild thing that people, yeah. for some reason, just like really, really fuck up in like huge ways. And I'm not entirely sure mm. what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, uh, my first reaction would be, is it because you have a something that ties you together, but ultimately you have the same impact and the same mission wherever you are in the organization. This is talked about in the book Sapiens. There's a particular section that talks about unit cohesion and that we're just used to being in like small groups of people. And it's why in the military, they've got small units that are part of like bigger pieces, but like your immediate crew of people is quite small because that's all we can psychologically manage. Mm. And once you move beyond that, it gets like a bit wild. And so you can kind of think about the things that then people use to control people's behavior. Those are things that are used to control bigger groups of people beyond that kind of immediate, bigger than your family unit, smaller than a city or a town or whatever. Yeah. If you don't have like an organizational ethos, which serves as your religion that everybody's behind and everybody's mm. clear on and that you're constantly reinforcing, then you've just got these kind of little bandits running mm. around. And then it's much easier, I think, for people to just be disconnected and then form their own little crews. I, I don't know if that's why it happens, but it certainly kind of <laughs> resonates for yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, definitely for me too. Yeah. There's probably something here around like social cohesion and organizational development. Yeah, it's a book called Moral Tribes that talks about some of these things. Mm. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Nice. Okay, <laughs> do you have any more? Yeah, one more. Okay. Now, this one was a bit odd. It was actually advertised to, to me. So I just picked it because it was advertised to me. And it's odd that it was advertised to me, okay? Okay. So I'm setting the scene. So, so this one's titled, Awful Experience. Upper Management Had No Experience. Pros. Nice location, great perks. When we wanted a happy hour, we'd just send a fundraising email to pay for it. Cons. The most confident and inexperienced people would thrive and rise through the ranks. High turnover of quality employees. That's it. That's one. But there are a lot. And I had a quick glance at Mm. some of the others. And there's another one called Don't Do It. (laughs) Another one called Not Worth It. (laughs) And... This particular one has cons that's like essays long. I'll just read the first first paragraph. It says, working at X is similar to being in an abusive relationship. I do not take that statement lightly. I've experienced my fair share of abusive and manipulative relationships. And I previously worked for a domestic violence and sexual assault crisis center. X organization and X management really meet all the criteria. And it's long. Yuck. Yeah. Okay. Really intense. So this is, and I've not heard of them, Every Town for Gun Safety. Okay. They're they're a big US NGO. Yeah. Okay. Um, who work on making every town. But is it one of those American ones where the name is actually not the thing? Because sometimes far right groups will take a name that is then a little bit misleading. So they're moving- like freedom for America, but actually it's like a white supremacist group or whatever. Sorry if your if freedom from America is actually a thing. Freedom so they're an American America. nonprofit which advocates for gun control and against gun violence. They're a movement of more than 8 million moms, mayors, survivors, students, and everyday Americans working to end gun violence. I know, I just find it a bit odd that this was advertised to me. I was yeah. like, okay, not really sure what my... Uh- it's on LinkedIn. 
No one, Glassdoor. Oh. Organizations you might like. Did it know that you were doing, maybe it knew, maybe your computer was listening and it knew that you were doing stuff on organizations being wild. Yeah, maybe. And it was like, here's a wild one. (laughs) Maybe. Gosh. But they're pretty big. They do a lot of advocacy and campaigning on like anti-gun violence. Okay. Well, um, maybe we should just do a disclaimer that just because these are shitty organizations doesn't mean that we should all go out and get guns. That's not what we're saying. Oh, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> but, but the thing is, like, they have a survivor network mm. and they work with survivors of gun violence. So, and yet their staff are saying that actually they're replicating abuse and so forth. Yeah. And it's the stark reality of that, right? You work with survivors, you have a network and yet you're infringing on a lot of that with your staff. The relationship between domestic violence mm. and gun violence is a very, very close one. Intimate yeah. partner violence, the second there's a gun in the home, it's exponentially yeah. much higher risk that someone will be hurt or killed. But, but I have heard before people say that Especially when they start defending an organization and they're like, no, no, they need me. I have to stay. Like, I need to get them right. Like, I need to help them change. I have to stay with this organization. Mm. Like, there's Mm. a kind of relationship there that's a bit problematic. I think we actually made a very similar connection in the catfishing one of, like, thinking we could change them if only... You know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, what do you call that relationship? It's it's like a toxic, it's abusive relationship, isn't yeah. it? It's like the abuser and the abuse. Like yeah. you are connected to the abuser and yeah. you can't leave. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> we probably should have put a trigger warning. In front of that. <laughs> gonna have to. Put yeah, a we'll put a we'll put a trigger warning, warning in front of that one. Okay. Ugh. Yeah. Well, there we go. Initially, this was a good idea. But now I'm feeling quite terrible. Well, I mean, I think there's a balance here, right? Okay. Like, Tell me about the balance. Because I think we need to reflect on Echo and understand these. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, take into account that everyone does have differing experiences and perspectives, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like Glassdoor is there for people to echo their own perspectives and experience. So these are somewhat heavy, but it doesn't, one person's opinion is very, very important, but doesn't reflect maybe the other 99 that are there. Unless it got consistently low. (laughs) So maybe the point where we are missing is like maybe the percentage of negative and positive. And and maybe that's a key metric for any organization on Glassdoor. If you have a hundred and it's 2% negative and 98% positive. Yeah. But then you're missing the things that people don't say or people don't report and stuff like that. And also the nuances of like those two people are black and the rest are white. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Anyway. On that note. Over to you. Yes. Okay. I actually have a few more, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do a few more only because I want to shout out the platform that I got them from. Okay. Nice. It's called Inside Voices and their tagline description is sound off on workplace discrimination, B-I-P-O-C. So black, indigenous, people of color, job seekers need to know. So it's basically a glass door, but for black, brown, indigenous people. Nice. So don't even think about going on there. Okay. I will not. It's not for you. (laughs) Okay. There is a culture of white supremacy that prioritizes white behavioral norms and ways of working. There is a lack of openness and discomfort around talking about race and racism. People of color and allies have been harassed when raising issues of race and racism and no internal HR or ethics complaint system has been successful in helping them seek redress. 
There is unequal pay and compensation, particularly within international operations, whereby staff who are not indigenous to the place of operation are paid exponentially higher salaries and given disproportionate benefits as compared to their, air quotes, national co-workers who are working and living in the same location. The diversity and inclusion work the organization portends to is opaque and performative. White fragility hangs thick, heavy and palpable in every corner of this place. Wow. White fragility I mean, hangs thick. Well written. Yeah, I love it. I mean, white people need to read this, right? Yes. <laughs> like, put that on a poster. I think that the trouble is that it's a platform that maybe you need to know that it exists to go and retrieve the feedback. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a kind of, hey, this place is shit, son. Okay. Don't go. That sounds like a few organizations that oh, yeah, we loads. know. I, want, I really want to know who that is. International Rescue Committee. No way. Eesh. Okay. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, that's real rough. Yeah. I mean, IRC, cut it out. Yeah. I do think it's the US one, to be fair. The US division. Yeah. Gosh, International Rescue Committee do a lot with refugees, don't they? Yeah. Mm. Don't be dicks. The bit that I like is about diversity inclusion work being opaque and performative. Mm. I actually interviewed for IRC for a senior manager's role. And one of the things I asked them is the extent to which they were challenging or reinforcing systems of oppression in their work. And what did they say? <laughs> and all the white people said that they were trying their best. Wow. I mean, that that kind of echoes this, huh? And then I was like, okay, but like, what's it look like? What investments are you making? Like why? Yeah. So this, so this for me is a kind of evolution in my interviewing style is to reciprocate the interview. And one of the questions I want to know, having had such a shitty experience of like institutionalized racism mm. and misogyny, when I was interviewing, I was asking them questions about what's it going to look like for me in this space. And yes, some woefully inadequate answers. One, I don't think people are prepared for it. I think they're prepared for that kind of what, cha way. what challenges yeah. do you foresee in the next five years in your organization? Like whatever yeah, yeah. random thing that people ask. And also that they don't expect you to interview them, right? Yeah. Like I want to know, is this going to be a horrible place for me to work? And I'm going to know that in part based on how you answer the series of 15 questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God she's a coach. <laughs> I still ask them. I just ask them in different spaces. Right. Okay. Next one. I have witnessed and reported multiple microaggressions over the course of two years, as well as more nuanced racism, like people of color performing at a level above their job title, but being refused to claim the more senior title and benefits. Also, the recruitment practices are completely opposite to the policy, and many recruitment panels are old, pale, male, and stale. Yeah. Oftentimes, no people of color are even shortlisted for roles with 200 plus applicants. We are based in one of the world's most diverse cities and in an area of that city that is 72% Black, Indigenous, people of color. Wow, that is really bad. Yeah, the thing that got me was the old pale male and stale. Yeah, I like the, the poeticness of you. <laughs> yeah, I just, I found that. That was, <laughs> that really drew me in. And what's the organization? UNICEF. No, well, actually, I was going to say no surprised, way, you're not surprised. Like, no, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Okay. Tell the listeners why you're not surprised. Well, because the UN is notoriously Old. governed by white male, pale. still pale men. <laughs> like, and unfortunately, I think it's to this day the same. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to hit you with a shocker. The foundation is all talk and no action when it comes to just about everything, equity and diversity included. 
They replicate the same racist and classist practices present in nonprofits, museums, and political institutions, despite claiming to be a new, I'm using quotations, and creative, more quotations, combination of those things. There are very few, in brackets, one person, people of color in leadership roles, and the current leaders consistently demonstrate their lack of understanding about issues that affect communities of color. They are determined to hire more black and brown assistants as a misguided way to compensate for the fact that there are no black and brown leaders, and our mission refuses to address anything close to a systemic issue. People have commented on the background, appearance, and speaking voices of staff members of color in public spaces without any repercussions or meaningful engagement. Wouldn't recommend working here to anyone ever, but surely not anyone who identifies as BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, Person of Color. Wow. Okay. I'm re- this one hurts my heart. Oh, wow. Okay. You ready? Yeah. It's the Obama Foundation. No way. Did you hear this, the sadness in my voice? Okay. Woof. Again, another example of name and expectation. And not so upsetting. Meeting the standards that are necessary. I did have a little snoopy snoop on the website. So I was like, okay, has anything changed? And it didn't look like there was much that had changed. <laughs> Should you call Michelle? <laughs> for right, right Michelle. Now? Hurrah. Yeah. Hello. How about this? Michelle, Brock, if you're listening, hit us up at JRNY Podcast because. Look, we can help you talk through a couple of things here and we can just think through some ideas how to shake things up a bit. Mm-hmm. Actually, this one upset me more than all the other ones. And maybe that's not fair because like organizations are made by people and people can be amazing. People can be dicks. Yeah, I mean, it's their name and it's certainly their leadership, right? Exactly. And maybe that's what, what bothers me is that I expect their leadership to be visible in their leadership. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or like, have at least have some influence. As and in when I am, you know, president of wherever and I have my foundation, mm-hmm. like I'm going to be all in there. People are going to be like, get away. Oh, and say no. We have no doubt. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Whatever. You know, it's named after them. Like, surely that has to mean something. Yeah. Um, you think. Well, that's sad note. Try and spin it. Go try and spin it. Oh Go on. If I can. What we've learned from discussing these different reviews is that organizations are in similar spaces. There are similar challenges. There are diversity, inclusion challenges, white people still holding the space, lack of black people of color, being in the right spaces, being holders of decisions. And it's all very much the same thing. But maybe the one thing that stands out is, as we said before, that actually the people you work with are kind of nice. <laughs> and so if there's one last thing you can hold on to, you know, it's dismantle the system, but keep hold of your friends. <laughs> Start a podcast with your friends. Dismantle the system. <laughs> is my concluding advice. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah. We... Any final words? Well, you know, the, the point that everybody's in the same boat really resonates. And I think for me, from a strategic place. This costs money. You know, it's cheaper to retain employees than it is to keep losing them and hiring them. High employee turnover costs you. If you want to be competitive, if you want to be innovating, you have to keep people around so that ideas can germinate based on the things that they're seeing and the problems that people are trying to solve. If you keep people in organizations that are stagnating and they're not happy, they're just kind of cruising along, or you've got 
bright minds who are leaving because they're not happy because you're an asshole, then that's costing you. And in the long run, what's going to happen is people are going to... So I used to have this job when I worked for a software company. I was basically like the fun consultant, the fun consultant. And the whole point was to make the organization fun and enjoyable because it was in software. It was really competitive and they didn't want any of their developers or engineers going to other companies with their knowledge, with their expertise and running them out of business. Mm. So they wanted to do everything they could to keep people happy. And so that one that you read before of like not a happy place to work really resonates with me because people need to be happy where they're working. They need to feel challenged, like they're growing, like they're thriving. That's the investment you make in them so that they invest in your business, your organization, Mm. whatever. I don't know why it's so hard. It's pretty easy to do. Ask people what they need. Be an authentic leader. Don't be an asshole. So basically everyone needs a fun Sultan. Yes. So if you're looking for a fun Sultan, hit me up. DiaRogers.com. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. I'm Lauren. I'm Dia. And this has been the Journey to Transformation. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Journey to Transformation. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Journey to Transformation is written and edited by us, Tia Rogers and Lauren Burrows. Our music comes from Praz Canal.